welcome to Inside the Madhouse, your source for all things Southern Oregon Spartans hockey. On the ice, in the locker room, all the way around the rink, we take you behind the scenes of your very favorite hockey club. And now, your hosts, Coach Martin and Marco. And that's right, Spartan Nation. Welcome back Inside the Madhouse episode, Jimmy Belly, one of our own boys here, uh, spent some time in the black and gold. And today... We are here in the studio, the live first time. Coach Bree, welcome back to Road Valley. It was a trip to come out here. It was like, worth it, it was, though. It, oh yeah, so worth it. But a hell of a drive to yeah. get up here. But, like we are so, and we said it last time, right? right. When, when we Facetime, and I'm like, show me the mountains. Like yeah. I'm right. here. You know, like <laughs> it's, finally, it's beautiful here, and the sun is shining, and it's awesome to do this in person. This is this is almost kind of weird. It is, right? You know what I mean, like it, this is weird. Well, I wanted to bring in a, a tropical poster to put behind me yeah. just so uh, not to throw you guys off too much. You know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and we got a, a, our first guest in yeah. studio as well. Well, today, new member of the Spartan staff and one of my best friends for the better part of my life, the one and only Aaron Goldman. It's really cool to be here, um, Marco. Marco's been involved with this organization for a while and just kept talking it up to me and when kind of when you guys made the changeover when you, the two of you came in and kind of took over he just had nothing but good to say and um, it really fits nicely with the work that I've been getting into the last few years so I'm yeah. just excited yeah, we're excited to have you man yeah for sure and like just let's get through our, our normal pre-game then we'll definitely get get to you and, and have a, a good conversation so what, what did we kick it off with uh, this week so this week was our episode with Gabe Oh, yeah, that's right. Big up game. Yeah, yeah, banger of an episode. That was a fun yeah, one, man. Yeah. It was so cool to talk to him. His uh, his dad messaged me. What, what the hell did he say? He said, uh, are the beers cold in the beer garden or something like yeah. that? And I was like, yeah, we have our own Spartan's beer. And he's like, no way. But, it was great talking to him in the, in the outtakes of uh, last week's interview with yeah. Gabe. He kept being like, my dad keeps telling his friends, hey, they got a beer garden. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. And it's going to be so nice. Like, when, when we take a week off, if something happens, you know, we have to take a week right. off. You have so many outtakes from like from all these interviews, and I don't think the listeners really know, but you know, we kind of, you know, bullshit with our interviewer, you know, right. before and after, and, and we do keep recording. So like, <laughs> we have some gems in there. A little warm up and cool down, and I mean, that's yeah. how we got that gem from uh, Cheryl, from Cheryl. Which is the outro splash. <laughs> my, now. my mom called me. She goes, "I love the podcast, but did you know at the end of the episode that?" That Cheryl's on there. I was like, yeah. And she's like, I thought that was like an oops. I was like, no, it's hilarious. Like, it's classic. Yeah, why don't you keep that? Well, yeah. and I want to say, speaking of Cheryl, so we've had two visitors to the office this week. Oh, Caitlin, yeah. Caitlin came in first because we needed to talk to her about some stuff. But then Cheryl's a stalker, and she saw on our Facebook that we were here, so she just showed up. Yes. Which is cool. Like, yeah. we, we like visitors, and, and we love when Cheryl comes by and Caitlin and everything. But, like, sometimes, like, I'll hear a knock. I just won't answer. Like, I'm, I'm like, listen, I'm busy. I'm, especially when I first took this over. Right. Oh my God. It was every single day people were coming by and like, just to say hi, just to meet me, which is yeah. cool. Right. You know, but it's like, I got a team to recruit. I got the tickets to figure out. I got all this stuff to do. And it's like, playfully, like, yeah. come on. Like, just throw together a whole team in a yeah, season. Yeah, just to, yeah. I'm not doing much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no, but no, we, but we no, welcome. What yeah. I wanted to say about Cheryl was, Right at the end of it, she goes, and I have a bone to pick with you. And I said, oh, what's that? And she said, Gabe's my player. 
She said, I heard what you said about him on the podcast, and he's mine. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. She wants to take both uh, Vegas kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants to have the Vegas house. Game Showtime Testa, man. I can't, I can't wait. Oh, oh yeah, oh, you forgot. Shit. So he messaged me. Guess what his name, his, his nickname, nickname was last year. What is it? Showtime. Get right. I swear to <laughs> God. Get right out of here. Right? Isn't that fucking crazy? That is so cla- I mean, he just exudes it. Yeah, yeah, that was his nickname last year. Showtime. That is too classic. Isn't that crazy? Because we were were talking. It's like, well, maybe maybe his nickname could be Showtime. It just felt like Showtime. You know, just talking to him. Yeah, yeah. That was his nickname last year. That is too classic. How crazy. Meant to be. That is too classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was our Monday, which was really nice because we were driving Monday, so we had something to listen to for a little bit yeah, at the beginning of the drive. And that was a short one, too. Yeah. And I was like, it. why can't we have like an hour and Great. a half one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then that next day, we came right into the rink when we got here. So I put up a video of poor Alec was doing the kick plates all by himself. He had a an assemb- one-man assembly line yeah. to get the kick plates in. So the rink looks really nice. They painted everything over the summer. The railings are looking brand new. And they also so, fixed, or not fixed, but upgraded yeah. the, the lights. So we mm, have a yeah. brand new light show, and it is sick. And again, Alec was, was the one that, that did that. And Alec listens to this. So, you know, <laughs> Big up Alec. Alec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big sure. up Alec every yeah, time. Yeah. Dave and I would always give him a shout at the end of the night on, the, on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. He'd always be out chipping the edges or Dude, yep. getting on the Zambi. He's he the man about that surface oh, so much. He is, mm-hmm. the, he is such an amazing worker. Yeah. And, and like obviously he doesn't work for me or anything like that. But like I spent probably probably about ten years in his industry of, of the facility side of hockey. Right. So right. I've I've done boards, I've done ice, I've taken ice in, out, painted, whatever. Oh, yeah. And Alec comes to me all the time with like, Hey, what would you do here and this and that? And it's it's fun to like help him out because he's like oh, willing yeah. to learn. You know, so, yeah, you can cool. see that he really cares. Like, oh, he wants yeah. to get it right. Yeah. You know, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It takes a lot of pride. In what Big taps to, to Alec every yeah, time, for, yeah, sure. for sure. Yeah. So then on Wednesday, our welcome, this is Welcome Back Wednesday this time. Welcome back. Mark Phillips. We need, oh, to, we need to stop talking about Mark, <laughs> Mark Phillips. <laughs> like, he is, he is the star of the he show. He is literally the star. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, though? Like, he's, is he the youngest again? I think there's like two kids, maybe two kids. I know one for wow. sure younger than him, but yeah, wow. he's almost the baby again this season. <laughs> Eventually, one of these days, won't be the baby. Yeah. 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 Before we know it, he's going to be a 20 year old with like a big beard and like. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So then I did, this was my fault, but I did yeah. <laughs> the playlist a day early because I was so thrown off from us driving and not having a normal week. Right. So I posted it, and then JK, JK does security for us sometimes, the camera for us sometimes. But anyways, he posted on Facebook, he goes, today's Friday? And I was like, oh, no, you're right, it's not. <laughs> so anyways, so um, Alexander sent me over his the first songs on his workout playlist, and so those were pretty good ones this week. I don't know if you listened. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was good. So we had those on. And then Friday, National Mud Day. Mud Day. <laughs> so this was when we referenced before that I had been bugging the kids to send me pictures of their dogs. This is what it was for. So we got some good ones. Yeah, we got who Yuval on That's there. That's Yuval's dog, and then um, Ryder's two puppies. Miss Ellen. Ellen. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. So that's Mark's dog. And when yeah. we were up in Seattle or Bellingham, I, don't know, I forget which one, uh, his parents came down with the dog. And I was just sitting on the bus, like we were just chilling, like wasting time at a mall or whatever. And I was just chilling on the bus, and this cute little dog just, just comes running up the 
the bus, and I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then I saw Rod and Natasha, which is his parents right. outside. So yeah, they brought the dog. And dog came right up on on the bus. Penelope, oh. yeah, we, we need to start calling her. Yeah, bus. and it's nice to be back too. I get to see my my beloved. Penelope, yeah. right there, you know. Yeah. I already, already started it up, and yeah. 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 What a cutie. Yeah, so we have Ellen, and then uh, we have Millie, who's Dylan's dog, and then Teddy, that's Noah's dog. Noah's got Aww. a couple dogs, but he sent us this one. And then that's our dog, Ellie, the black Aww. dog. Yeah. And then that's uh, Axel, that's who's named cute. after Axel Lowe. Yeah, that's, that's right. Little yeah. Axel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Little Axel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's still one of the sweetest things I've heard. No, that is so cute. So oh, and I guess I guess Killian's been like wanting to see us, you know, because this is the hockey house yeah, like, the we hockey talked house. about and like he doesn't understand like why we're not here, you know, but he listens to the podcast and so he kinda kinda gets to hear yeah. us then. Yeah. Know, so yeah. Well, big up Killian every time. We actually are here in the hockey house today. Yes, we Episode are. Episode 15. I, I just rolled out of bed, um, <laughs> made, made some toast. Had some lemonade. Some, yeah, yeah, had some lemonade. And uh, yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going to fire up my, uh, what, what do you call a Zamboni? It was uh, uh, a Roomba? No, he called some truck. Ice truck or something oh, like I that? I don't know. He thinks the Zamboni is like an ice truck. Or, <laughs> yes. That's what he calls it. So. And Caitlin's like, no, that's that's a Zamboni. He goes, no, no, no. No. That's that's a truck. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, right now, since we are here in the hockey house and joined with our first (laughs) in-studio guest, Aaron Goldman, one of my dear friends, and so happy to have you in the Spartan Nation, part of the team, part of the staff, and uh, we just can't wait to to kind of talk to you. We're going to have you on a few times, but just get an idea, an overview. Uh, What's your background? You know, where you, you know, where, where you kind of, what you bring to the ice, you know? Uh, well, so as Marco alluded to before, uh, we actually grew up together. So I was born in beautiful Boston, Massachusetts. Not a big hockey town. Not a big <laughs> hockey town at all. We, we don't know what hockey uh, is RA's in backyard. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're, we're big on all the other sports there, not, not so much hockey. Uh, and so I lived there until I was eight, and then I moved to Oregon with my family and grew up. Marco and I met in fifth grade. And so going on 28 years of friendship here. Uh, so he's my connection here. And uh, I have been an athlete my whole life. So I played every sport I could uh, kind of get my hands on. Never played hockey. Uh, wasn't really exposed much to it. Basketball was kind of my first love. That was the sport that kind of stuck. Um, well, you're like 7'7". Seven, seven, so that like six, six, seven, <laughs> seven, seven. All right, close. Um, right? Average height for a basketball player these days. Um, so my first experience with sports was watching the Celtics in the late 80s at the old Boston Garden. Nice. Um, got to see Larry Bird play live, got to see the Knicks back in the Patrick Ewing days. Um, and so sports really stuck with me. And so throughout my life, I played and played high school water polo and water polo in college. Uh, I've played hoops my whole life. I love to ski. Uh, sports is just a huge part of my life. Uh, I got into coaching when I was in college, and I've coached a lot of sports. Spent 12 years coaching ski racing, coached uh, high school water polo for a few years, and I ran into some situations, coaching water polo especially, where I felt like I wasn't equipped to handle what my athletes were dealing with, Mm -hmm. and some of the stuff that I was dealing with also. So, of course, 
right? Coaches are athletes, and we're super competitive. So I mean, ditto. I right. Mean, that first year head coach here. Yeah. Didn't think it was gonna be this tough. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it really is, and our emotions tend to come to the surface, and oh, yeah. especially being former players in sports that we're really familiar with, uh, we still have competitiveness mm-hmm. deep in us, right. and so you know they say those who can't play coach it's not always a great idea um so i ran into some stuff too with me where i was having trouble sort of being a positive example on deck and so i decided that i was interested in the psychological side of sports so i went back to school Uh, i got a master's in a field called applied human development which focuses pretty heavily on sort of the sociology around sport, uh, the neuroscience, the psychology of being an athlete and being a coach and being involved in sport. And so that's what I do now. I work with athletes, I work with coaches on the mental and emotional and social side of athletics. Everything from coach education, team culture, to the nitty gritty day to day of managing emotional and mental demands of playing sport. I love it. It's it drives me, it keeps me going. I spend I work with kids all the way from age twelve, I think is my youngest athlete right now, all the way up to have a couple uh NCAA athletes that I work with and everywhere in between. Wow. That's awesome. Man, like you're you're gonna be a huge piece to this puzzle. I, I almost you know, we, we met a couple days ago for an hour and a half or whatever. And I already kind of feel like you're just part of this already you know you haven't even really worked for us yet right um but yeah i think like that's something when i came into coaching that i didn't really realize was the 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 emotions of it you know playing you always see your coach come in draw up what we're doing you know give a hoorah speech and then they go home at night i didn't know when you go home at night you can't sleep you know because your 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 emotions are just are are still going and especially like you can't really do much about it right like the feeling of like hopelessness of like yeah i could jumble the the lines again but like didn't work this time didn't work last time you know what i mean so like that's cool that like you're you're on board and and you'll definitely help me with like you know developing my own like um ability to to control my emotions and leave it at the rink and not bring it home and i don't know we kind of like it at at home you know yeah bringing it home and talking about the game and this it's kind of hard don't stop yeah 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 Yeah. It's, it's kind of almost like, I mean, because I experienced that in different ways, you know, not from the coaches or the athlete's perspective, but uh, with hockey games here and then also with shows a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I call it the post-show flow. Like, it's at least three hours, you know. Oh, yeah. um, you're going after a yeah. hockey game, after a performance, any any type of real engagement. Like, yeah. And it's um, it's kind of it's kind of like having, like, another scoop of ice cream. It's like, well, maybe I shouldn't, but, God, this is really good. I do <laughs> love thinking about this, you yeah. know. I do love yeah. talking about it. But. Yeah, but there, there's definitely a line, and you can probably speak to this. Like, yeah, you want to take it home and have that three hours or whatever, but when you wake up at 3 in the morning and you can't get back to sleep because you are yeah. obsessing over, you know, can I sign this kid? You know, this if I can get this kid, I can get this kid. Or, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, obsessing over it. So, like, I guess, like, you know, I'll pose a question to you. Like, what's, what's the line of too too involved compared to like not involved enough um i actually i think that that's the line isn't between too involved and not involved enough i think the line is between being involved and invested in a healthy way and being invested in a way that doesn't serve us Mm -hmm. 
Um, I know that when I was an athlete, I was well on the, on the wrong side of that line a lot of the time. Um, I was really hard on myself. I would, I would, and then, I mean, we're talking like city league basketball, like yeah, we're yeah. not, not talking playing at any kind of a high organized level. Um, I was really competitive. I tried to be as good as I could. I devoted a huge amount of time to playing hoops. And I, quite frankly, my relationship with the game was not very healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I would lose sleep over it. I would nitpick every decision and every move that I had made. Um, I could go out there and score 35 and get 15 rebounds and focus for hours on yep. the plays that I had missed yeah. or the assignments yeah. that I had missed or yeah. the mistakes that I had made or the turnovers. Yeah. Um, and so the skills that I didn't have at that time are the things that I'm now trying to help athletes have. Uh, and I had to learn it the hard way. I mean, I, I graduate school was a crucible in a lot of ways because all of a sudden you're just taking apart your own relationship with sport. Mm-hmm. Like we all show up and I was in I was in a program with former Division One athletes and a couple of former pros and we're just in this thing like dissecting our own emotional responses to the sports that we totally love. Um, so talking about from a coaching perspective, you're going to take it home. Yeah. It's what you do, right? I mean, yeah. you're, th- this is your life. Yeah. The question is, do you have compassion for yourself for the mistakes that you're inevitably going to make because you're a human being? And I think that we tend to dehumanize the game a lot. We dehumanize athletes. We put them on pedestals. We expect them to be perfect. We do the same with coaches, and so that's from an outside perspective, but I think even more damaging is that we do that to ourselves, Mm -hmm. and we don't allow our own humanity to exist, and so we expect ourselves to be perfect. You expect yourself to get every athlete that you recruit, and you expect to sell out the arena every night. Well, that that happens every night. Right. <laughs> That's not on our list. Exactly. But, but some that. of those expectations yeah. we do fulfill. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them we don't. And the bottom line for me is that there's a lot of stuff that's not within my control as an athlete, as a coach, as an owner, as mm-hmm. someone who's involved in the game. And that's the thing that's that's tough is the ownership and coaching at the same time. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Because, yeah, you're wearing a couple hats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because there is some conflict, you know, between them. You know, like, you know, we... The, the hot topic right now is, is fighting, right? And, and fighting is going away in our sport. And it's just, it's inevitable. I think it's going to come back, but we can spend a whole <laughs> episode on that. Yeah. But, um, you know, that that's a big thing. So, you know, as an owner, obviously you're trying to sell tickets, right? right? And that's not a bad thing to say, you know. Right. But obviously, you know, a fight, everyone's watching. You know, the beer garden's going to go nuts. They're going to order I mean, another round after yeah. that. You know what I mean? But as a coach, is it... Is it the right time for a fight? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. You know what I mean. So there, there is a, a huge, you know, it is tough to doing both. But um, we we talked the other day about the love of the sport. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have the love of the sport, that can kind of drive you crazy. So do you kind of want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I talk about a lot. Uh, I would say that hopefully the reason that we all get into sports at the beginning sports the the reason that we stick with it is because we love it 
because we fall in love with it, because there's something in whatever that sport is that speaks to us on a really deep level. Um, the thing that you run into with the culture of sport is that the love gets sucked out of the game by, I mean, I, I have all kinds of opinions on it. We could, I could talk for hours, yeah, but yeah. right. Sports get really commercialized. Yeah. And so of course, and you're, you're speaking to it, right? Like you're the coach and you're the owner. So you're, you have financial considerations yes. that are really important. Yeah. And so sport is a business. And as you move up through the ranks, it becomes more of a business. And I think the danger in that is we forget that that's not what kids are about in sport. Uh, kids should be out there because they love the game. Kids are out there to have fun, to be with their friends, to be physically fit. From a developmental perspective, to learn social skills, to learn to share, how to be a part of a team, how to manage conflict, how to resolve a battle. Yeah. Um, how to be resilient in the face of adversity. And so those are themes that go all the way through sport and that is always gonna be a struggle. There's always gonna be stuff involved that you don't like, that you don't want to I was to gonna do. say the same thing. I even, I even wrote it down, yeah. like it's inevitable. Like it's, it's gonna happen, yeah, yeah. but it's like, but your approach is how do we navigate through it? Which I think is awesome. And how, how do we make our love for the game central principle of what we're doing so that when we inevitably run into things about the sport that we don't like whether it's a workout that we don't want to do or a teammate that we don't get along with or something around the culture of our sport that is really hard for us we can stick with it and we can still grow and get the positive out of the game because we're connected with what it means to us on that deeper level and it's really easy to lose sight of that and to lose that connection based on all of these external mm -hmm. things that happen, right? And we're told how to feel. And I, look, I also, I think um, both men's and women's sports have these unique challenges inherent in them. Mm -hmm. But growing up as a young male athlete, it's, it's a fraught situation. I mean, they're just... You're expected to behave a certain way. You're expected to display toughness in a certain way. You're expected to not cry, to not show emotion unless you're being aggressive. Um, so there's this, there's a whole issue, and hockey is a great example of this idea of what masculinity in sport looks like. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. And it comes to the right. Of, I mean, yes. we're talking about fighting, and yeah. um, that. For, for young boys who are developing in those really formative years, that that is a really dangerous line to walk um, because you're taking compassion and joy and emotion and uh, sort of free self-expression out of it and telling them that they have to look or behave a certain way to be worthy in their sport. And that, man, that, that's, that's dangerous. How do you... How do you, um, I'm a very black and white person, you know what I mean? So like when I instruct someone, like, listen, now's not the time to, to get in a fight or yeah. whatever. And they still do it. Uh, me personally, I'm like, did, did you not hear what the hell I'm saying? But you, to your point, 
it's that they think they have to be something that they're not, right? Like, like we, we've had players this past year, I mean, they, they won't shed the mitts until there's two big old referees in front, and then they're the toughest son of a bitch you've ever seen, right? right. And it's, and I, I can sit here and tell them until I'm blue in the face, like, that's not you, and I don't want you to be that. I have. We have that. We have, I have that kid. Yeah. We have Dolan. That kid is on the bench, and yeah. he's going to go fuck that kid up. Like, don't you worry about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, but you yeah. don't have to be Dalton. You know, and, and Dalton understands he doesn't have to be the goal scorer. Be the goal scorer. You yeah. know, so like that kid gets it, this kid doesn't. How do you, how, how would you manage a situation like that? Well, so this is something that we talked about a little bit the other day yeah. when we were here walking around. Um, so what you're talking about is role clarity. Yeah. yeah. And hockey is really unique because that enforcer role is something that is like you yeah. look for someone who has that specifically to fill that role sometimes. When, when you're yeah, recruiting, remember, right? yeah. Absolutely. Well, when you're recruiting, you, okay, check that off. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. It's like, you know, in basketball, you're like, okay, we need a power forward. Yeah. So you go get a power forward. And we need a point guard. Yeah. So you go get a point guard. In hockey, you're like, yeah, we need a guy who can go scrap. Yeah. 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 And, I think helping players understand what their role is and the ways to be great in their role, the way to be excellent in their role, is a way to start navigating that. Because that player whose job it is not to go fight, what is their job? Mm -hmm. What are the things that they can do to be great in service of the team in the role that they're in? And so then you start to help them get the skills and the tools that when that situation arises, they understand that they're part of a group. Someone is going to take care of that thing that isn't their job to take care of it. Just like they're going to take care of the thing that isn't that other person's job to take care of. Kind of that discretion of, of, you know, say this is, I see this going on. Maybe I do want to drop the mitts, but you know, no, we have, we have Dalton to do that. Let me just focus on my assignment, yeah, you know, control yeah. my, my, my okay. area. And, and well, but, but it all goes back to what you're saying about the mas- masculinity of, like, yeah. you know, everyone needs to be tough. You know, right. if I don't do this right now, I'm going to turn around and this guy's going to call me whatever. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, but it's okay. Like, you, you need that thick skin, and you're going to take that with you in life. Like, yeah. right. you know, trust me, people have called me every name in the book, you yeah. know, with taking over the Spartans and this and that. Yeah. Um, but um, I think a, a big thing is uh, statistics, too. These kids, they feel like they need to put up a certain amount of points to get to wherever, wherever, wherever. They don't understand that coaches call me. You know what I mean? If I say, hey, he's got three points in three years, but he... He's a the, locker room guy? He's a locker yeah. room guy. He's, he's off the glass. He's, he's a he's a, a positive player. He, yeah. He's not yeah. you know, he's not negative he's six great every with night. Fans. He's not getting in trouble That's off the, the ice. Important That's thing. what they and want. These kids, they just they, they don't understand yeah. that. So I don't know if you want to speak well, a little bit towards we, that. Too. Yeah, we are a culture where we feel like we have to measure everything. Yeah. How many likes do you have on Instagram? In comparison. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. And, that's and yeah. measured in comparison to other people. Yep. So yep. social, I mean, dude, social media is a rabbit hole of the conversation. It's rough. Um, and it's emblematic of this thing that you're talking about. Yep. So, and I actually had a conversation with a friend of mine the other day about this box score culture. So that's how we assign value to athletes. Mm-hmm. We do it with contracts. We do it with... Yeah. 
following. We do it with fandom. It's like, oh, their, you know, their stats are incredible. You know, like, I apologize, I'm probably going to use basketball a lot as my because <laughs> that's the sport that I know. But, like, they're a 20 and 10 player every night. So, you look at that 20 and 10 player, and in the NBA, somebody who's 20 and 10 every night is getting a max deal. So now they're worth thirty million dollars a year. Yeah, ridiculous. Whole other conversation. That, that that kind of money yeah. going to somebody to play a game is ridiculous. It's like three Crosbys. Yeah, yeah. 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 right. And what doesn't get talked about enough is exactly what you're saying. Mm-hmm. What do they bring that doesn't that can't be quantified in a box score? Yeah, because. Even with advanced metrics and advanced statistics, which is a whole thing in sports now, and it's one of the ways that teams are getting built, you can't quantify the person who is the vocal leader of the defense. Yeah. Yeah. You can't quantify the person who leads with their effort Mm -hmm. and makes everyone around them better by diving for a loose ball every time, right? They just hit the floor over and over and over and over again. Those are the things that come from understanding your role, but also learning, part of resilience is understanding what you need to do to be successful and being able to do it in the face of adversity. So understanding what you're good at, understanding what your strengths are. Our job as coaches and as as the adults in the room, sort Mm -hmm. of, is to help facilitate an environment where athletes can understand their strengths, identify their weaknesses, and grow into being whatever the best player for them means. Mm -hmm. So being the best version of themselves. That's our job. Yeah, X's and O's are a thing. Yeah, we We have to manage a staff, and we have to give the speeches. But really, we are creating an environment where athletes can grow into human beings. Yeah. Where they can figure out what their values are and express them, figure out what's meaningful to them and Mm -hmm. go get it. Right. And stay in touch with it and grow. Grow as people, grow in the sport, become more skilled. That's our job. And so my, my perspective is... That is easier when they're joyful. That is easier when they're having fun. Right. When they're connected to the love of the sport that they started out with. Well, so we've spent 15 weeks trying to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you I know guess. what I mean? Like, just like, yes. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that was the what we've been trying to yeah. you know, get, get together, right? Which is perfect. And the first thing that goes in my, to my mind is there is... I would say more than a handful of general managers out there at this level that they think you're full of shit. You know what I mean? And and you know what they you know what they do? They put their roster on the board. They put other rosters on the board, and they say, "Hey, I could do a two for one for this player, for this player, and just and trade these guys around." And they don't give a shit. You know? So it's like again, you know, we, we've kind of touched on it before, but I just think it's it's such a dis. Just, I don't even know if that's disservice. a disservice to, to these kids to, to, to act like that. Like, what, what are you teaching them? You're teaching them that this is a business and we don't give a fuck about you? 
Like, and you're a commodity at the end of the day. But like, how do you? Around. Yeah, and they're broken do, down to those numbers. Yeah. Of, if you don't put up your ten goals, yeah, have fun you're in you're, Indiana. You're yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But like, how do you go home at night and like sleep? Yeah. You know, I'm losing sleep over, and I'm not trying to put myself on a pedestal. I'm really no. not. But like, I, it's true. It's truthful. I'm not, I'm losing sleep worried about you know a kid's um, problems that he's been going through. You know, when yeah. I've had kids come to me and say, "Hey, this is going on at home." That you know, I lost so and so. You know, I'm I sit up and I worry about it. You know, these other guys, I guess they go home and think about their next trade or their next ring that they're putting on their finger. Like I, I don't know, and it's kind of like a dead end to like this conversation. My little rant here because you know it's it's my it's my world. You know that I deal with these GMs and stuff. But yeah, again, that's like the first thing that pops in my head is like I'm losing sleep over caring. Yeah. And they're losing sleep over winning. You know, it just, right. it, it doesn't mm-hmm. make any fucking sense to me. Yeah, well, at least you're losing sleep for the right reasons. Yeah. And right. again, I'm not trying to put myself on that. No, but, but it's, it's, it's really important. We, the way that those general managers are behaving is just, it's in line with the culture around sport. Yeah. yeah. Everything is a commodity. We commodify students. Yeah. We commodify athletes. And in that commodification, we dehumanize them, and they just become a number. So for schools, schools receive a certain amount of funding per mm-hmm. student that stays in school and tests a particular way. And right. so the whole system is organized around schools keeping their funding based on this totally messed up system that dehumanizes students. Mm-hmm. Sports are the same way. Contracts depend on statistics. Right. You're not a person. Yeah. You're how many goals you score. Yeah. yeah, right, right. I, I, I don't know how long I'm going to be in this industry because You're literally, have a stroke. <laughs> I, I'm going to have a stroke. And, like, I, I can't believe I didn't fail business ethics in, in school. You know what I mean? Because, like, I just don't have the ability to, like, fuck someone over right. to, like, to, to boost my, my program. But we, we talked about inevitably, you know, as these players get older, they, they are in certain circumstances, right? Inevitably, when you get to this level, it is a business, you know, and then and then when you get to college, that's a business. And then, you know, obviously pro hockey is, is it as well. And it's good for these uh, young guys to start understanding that, that, yeah. th- that this is a business. And I can't help you in every single situation. Sometimes I do have to pull the, the trigger on a trade, you know, just because of I need to look out for the whole. Right. right? You know, right. Yeah. and you're and part of also what we're doing is teaching life skills. And yeah. so part of learning how to live a life is understanding that there are some things that are out of your control. So the business side of sports for most athletes isn't something that they have much say over. So you have to learn to navigate the system that you're participating in. And so part of it is learning how to deal with the stuff you don't like. A lot of it is because there's going to be a lot of that stuff. Definitely. You know, it's, Speaking to, to what you said about, like, you don't know how long you're going to be in the business. Yeah. I think. I was being sarcastic. I was yeah. like, <laughs> but it's, an, but it's a concern. But yeah. it is a concern yes. because burnout is a huge thing. Yes. Not, not That's just what I'm among concerned. athletes. There's, yes. there's burnout among coaches. There's burnout. Oh, we've been we, there. We're, we're together in this, right? Yeah. Like we, we co-own this thing. So yeah. every stress I have, she has as totally. well. So, like, yes, but I'll, I'll let you yeah. know. But. So, so. I think, you know, those those 
GMs out there that would tell me that I'm full of shit. <laughs> I can't do anything about that. I know that what I'm saying is backed by research, and it's the wave of the future. So yeah. this old school style of managing a team and this yep. old school style of coaching is slowly going away, yeah. and I think it's a really good thing yeah. because I think the number one thing lacking in sport at all levels is compassion. Agreed. Love it. Love it. And we need it. Compassion for others, compassion for ourselves, yeah. especially. What that does, right, that that willingness to meet someone where they are and to understand that their truth is not necessarily your truth or your reality, it opens the door for the rehumanization of people involved in athletics. Right. And we need that. And I think that, like, what I'm always looking for are the points of leverage, as, as my mentor, my grad school mentor would say. What are the highest points of leverage? Where can you apply yourself to make a change that will be fundamental and filter out into other areas? And for me, it's that. Yeah, yeah. It's teaching athletes how to have self-compassion, coaches how to have self-compassion, how to be compassionate for others. We're seeing it. Um, I think we're one of the really interesting things about the times that we're living in is this sort of outpouring of compassion, right? The Black Lives Matter movement essentially is about that. It's about compassion, it's about respect, it's about it's about understanding that someone else's experience is valid. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then changing the systems that invalidate that experience. And sport sport is this micro environment where all of that still exists. Right. It's a mirror yeah. for the world. And so we're seeing it. We're in an age of athletes reclaiming their humanity by speaking out, by kneeling, by standing up for the causes that are important to them. I think that is one of those areas where we make fundamental change. And truthfully, I don't know that it matters what sport you're in. I think from the outside, hockey would be an unlikely candidate for for that sort of change. But it is happening. Yeah, no, it is. It, it's an old boys club, and it, it's changing. It, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Th- this new core group of, of guys that are coming up, you know, see the game in a lot different way, and that's because we were treated in, in the old boys club like shit. You know, I've been released, I've been traded, yeah. and I've cried under a tree after I was <laughs> yeah. told that I have to leave. Like you now, all, need to leave all your friends, and it sucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we're bringing those experiences with us to you know our profession which I think is fantastic. And I think it's really important to take those things that we experienced and apply them positively. Yeah. So you're taking these negative experiences, yeah. these traumatic experiences, and you're turning them into something good. Yeah. I mean, that's all we can do. Well, look at the results, right? Yeah. Like, you know, last year well, it was a tough year. I really didn't have time to get my message out. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the big thing. When I say I didn't have time, I had time to make 200 phone calls. I couldn't get my message out. And that's what we're doing with this. But yeah, we have a sick roster coming. Yeah. And it's partially because of this this podcast of getting our message out. You know, and, and I think that we got the message out of, of compassion. You know, and now we have 27 dudes that, that we have more than 27 dudes that want to play here. So, right. you know, yeah, I, I think we're we're doing pretty doing pretty all right. Yeah. You know. 
It's a, it's amazing to be here at this point, you know, and still a little bit of lead time before the season. We got a great great roster. It's so it's so great to see that the roster and the the entire Spartan Nation the staff that everyone around it is on message. You know, this is a great great uh, you know format to get the message out, yeah. and then also just to reinforce it with us within us here in the crew. You know, so it's a constant conversation every week. We can touch on different things and mm-hmm. and, and make sure that we're on message. Yeah. And we're you know, I mean, it starts from the top, right? It like, really does. Like who's going to drive the ship? It's us. It's us that are that are in this office. Yeah, it's, it's Sam. It's it's Don Hurley. It's yeah. you know what I mean. It's if you have that core group, I mean, it just it's going to explode. And that's that's setting the culture, and you know, it's everyone else's. It, it's such a good vibe, you know. Yeah. Injecting, you know, having this compassion on every level, you know, yeah. of, of the, the whole organization. I think, and with you also added, it's it's a perfect, perfect like you're like the cherry on top, you know, of, of everything, <laughs> yeah. you know that. You, you know what I really want to dive into, and, and sorry to cut you off, no, but no. I just I we have to talk about this. So we, we're talking about you know all of our compassion and all the work we put in to make right. this good. And then when a player doesn't show it back, that just gets to the core of me. You know, right. and so we talked about gratitude, yeah. which is which is really, you know, fundamental and it's I I'm gonna have I'm gonna have it the rest of my life and I'm just gonna have to figure it out. You know, but there's more there's way more good stories than bad stories. But can, can we kinda talk about that yeah a little bit? I wanna I wanna finish up what we were just talking okay, about. Yeah. Because, Sorry about that. No, no, it's good. I just had I just had a thought because in the media, right, we see there's like lots of inspirational sports movies, <laughs> right, from when we were growing up, right, yeah. like The Mighty Ducks, no, classic, is a big yeah. one. The Sandlot, mm-hmm. like these classic movies that are such a, a part of my sport experience. Um, but the movie that I think the most about in terms of this conversation about compassion is actually Jerry Maguire. Um, and of course it's like it's a bit of a um, what do you call it a caricature of the, the culture of sports um, is this a movie? yeah you haven't seen Jerry Maguire? No. oh man no. great sports movie so essentially when did it come out? it's uh, it was like in the, the late 90s yeah. like show, yeah. me the show me the money show me the money guys Cube, I was Cuba. born in 1992 <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so the, this, the story is Jerry is a sports agent, and he loses all of his clients except for one. And it's a whole story, but at the end, right, his client, who's a wide receiver, has this great success after a lot of struggle, and he gives him a hug, and they're, they like, and, you know, Jerry's hit rock bottom. Like, he, yeah. he lost everyone except for this one person. And there's there's another guy, another agent who like goes to hug his player, and the guy's like, "Man, get off me! You didn't care about oh, me before." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the cool. thing about being compassionate for our players is that it's a way of life. It's a way of being. It's not. It's not something. Um, it is a message, but we have to live the message. Uh, and so, you know, we were walking through the locker room the other day and looking at all the quotes up on the walls. Right. And we agreed that we don't like most of them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and we did. I think <laughs> so. So there are some changes. But we didn't come up with the slogan. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There. That right. was another thing we didn't have time to address exactly. and right. take exactly. down before the season. So yeah. there's all this stuff on the walls, and for me, there was nothing about compassion as a teammate. There was nothing about playing your role. There was nothing about pursuing excellence in a way that makes the and so I think that is part of 
what needs to happen in this organization, in other organizations, right? Like the people who are the examples. We talked about team captains too. Yeah. So to answer your question, right, yeah, about yeah. what happens when you give that to a player and they don't give it back. Yeah. I think the process of getting your captains to buy in to the culture of compassion, of brotherhood, of Andrew family. Rothmeyer and Yuval Helfer should be listening to this. Yes. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> and, uh, like, if you can get them to believe, then they bring everyone else along with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, right, talk about finding those leverage points again. Like, yeah. your captains are your, they are, okay. they are your voice. They are your points of leverage with yeah. the rest of the team. You're dealing with young guys too, right? So you also have players who are, from a developmental standpoint, who are still growing. They're still figuring out who they are. They're forming identities. They're learning what it's like to be independent. They're away from home for the first time. They're in a different country sometimes yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Um, creating that atmosphere of compassion, of meeting them where they are, of giving honor to their experience, of bringing them in and telling them that that you value what they bring to the table through your actions, through how you speak to them, through how you um, through how you behave and through the culture you're trying to create. What will happen is you will start to just have players who want that. The players mm-hmm. who aren't into that will go somewhere else. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. 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 You'll you'll be looking for a certain type of player. And that becomes part of your your recruiting message. Yeah. Also, you're like, this is the culture that we're trying to create. When I think about the coaches who have sustained excellence, the coaches who win, and first they, I mean, they win, right? Winning is the result. It's the end result. Yeah. It's not. It's not the thing that they focus on. As you're saying, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like a byproduct. It's not like the goal. It's like right. something that just happens when you're doing this other thing. Because their athletes are happy. Because yeah. their athletes want to dive for every loose ball. Because they want to stand up and scrap for their teammates. Mm-hmm. Because just they want to work hard. Wall. They want right. to yeah. run through yeah. a brick wall. Yeah. And they want to do it together. Yeah. Those are the teams that sustain success. You look at the, right, like the dynasties in sports. We were talking earlier about uh, sports in Boston. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you have to say about the New England Patriots, and I know that the, <laughs> the camps are very split. They have, they have done that. Now they don't always do it with compassion, but they're consistent with their messaging, and they they have a culture and a type of player that they recruit. And hard work is at the center of it, and standing up for each other is at the center of it. That is not the team that I would use as my example of like a compassionate sporting. <laughs> yeah. So there are multiple ways to go about doing it. And I think you hear players coming out of highly successful from a win from right. successful from yeah, a winning yeah. perspective yeah. programs who once they get out of it and they find a happier situation, they're like, wow, I was actually pretty miserable there. Yeah. Like, we won a lot, but it doesn't matter. At because, what cost? Because it sucked being there. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can play and you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I I don't want to name a state. <laughs> I don't want to talk shit about anyone, but <laughs> yeah, you can play in different areas of our league, and yeah, you you could win, but you could win in front of five people, <laughs> and then uh, 
go back to your billet house that's an hour away and pay $600 billet fees. I'm like, yeah, you could fucking hate it then. Yeah. And yeah. just not be happy when you're on the ice and not yeah. want to walk. And so we talked about this the other day. For me, creating a culture, and, and I absolutely did not come up with this. This is this <laughs> this I got from Pete Carroll, head coach of the Seahawks. We were talking about Trojans earlier. Maybe. He was the head coach of USC when I was at Oregon. Pete Carroll's thing is how do you want your athletes to feel when they walk in the building? Yeah. yeah how do you yeah. want them to feel when they walk in the door? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can figure that out and if you I mean if you want them to feel like they're miserable and they're yeah. just going to work and doing a job and collecting a check and going home. That's up to you. For me, I want my athletes to feel supported. I want them to feel excited. I want them to feel loved. I want mm-hmm. them to feel like they have an opportunity to be competitive. Um, this is just like blowing my mind. Right? <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'm going over like like in college at the end. It, it was a job, right? Like I just it was. But then what's the difference between them and freshman year? Freshman year was the best time of my life we, we took third in the nation went to the frozen four you know we made a trip all the way down to florida to play in a national championship tournament like it was amazing and we loved each other i mean we loved each other we hung yeah. out with each other every single day you know we still have that stupid facebook yeah. group, you know <laughs> but like we just loved each other so like how do you you know yeah we could sit here and talk to our blue and face about a good culture means good winning and good you know whatever but it's like how you know, and I'm just in my brain. I'm like, it happens so organically, but how do you set it up to happen organically? Yeah, that's the million dollar question, yeah, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because on on the back end, it doesn't start out as being organic. The back yeah. end being the front office and right. the yeah. and the people who are running the locker room, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the coaches. It has to be a priority. It has to be your sort of checkbox for everything that you do. Okay. I have a choice in front of me. Is this going to contribute to my athletes feeling supported, feeling loved, feeling excited, feeling like they have a chance to compete? I, I think you can do that with like who you retain your roster, right? So like some of these yeah. kids can play for four years. Yeah. Now if you have a superstar here that you can tell isn't isn't buying into that, will you let them go? You know what I mean? That's that's my first like thought of like, you know, just the retention of the friends of the locker room, if yeah. you want to call that. Like, the guys that like each other. Like, yeah. up in the... Up, right now, up in BC, yeah. we got five players hanging out with each other. Yeah. Now we got to we gotta keep them together, right? That's not to cut you off, but that just no, kind that's, of... That, that, and that's, that's it. That's yeah. part of it. Okay. No, this is a conversation. I'm not getting a lecture here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've never been in a hockey locker room before. Right. So I, I know that, right, each sport has sort of its characteristics. Um, I think you just make it so there are two things right you like you educate yourself like what does that mean like we talk about compassion what does that mean in the sport context so we really get into what that means to us and what the research says and then there are people out there doing incredible work in terms of uh, compassion and gratitude in sport which we are going to get back to yeah Um, and you figure out how they're doing it you go to you go to coaching seminars. You taught you see what people who are successful in that field are doing. How does Pete Carroll run his locker room? How yeah. does Steve Kerr run his locker room? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I look, I also, um, you know, for, for the age group that you guys have here, look at college coaches. Like what do, what are college coaches who are having lots of success and whose players come out of their program, like feeling that, that love and that support, how are they doing it? Um, Think back about that freshman year that you had. Like, what I were, am currently right. Yeah. Like, what were the characteristics of that team and that particular locker room? Because each year, it's a different culture in yeah. some ways. Because you have people leave, you have new oh, people. Oh, the turnover years. The turnover, insane. right? Yeah. The turnover yeah. here is probably more than every year, right? Like, oh, yeah. you probably have people coming and going. Coming and going. Oh yeah. So you kind of have to figure out those times when things were clicking what was going on behind the scenes. I, th- I think a, a good start, right? Like, I'm not talking about the start of the of regular season, but a good training camp. I think that, you know, yeah. now I'm thinking back, you know, because I was a freshman, right? So yeah. I really didn't know anyone, you know, but I felt welcome right away. And I, Because, you know, we did spend a month of just practice, just working out. And, of course, you know, like, it's college, right? So, like, you know, we were going out and sure, having a good time, those. right? You know, and, and you can't really do that here. You just can't, yeah. you know. So I think that, that that a good, solid, positive training camp yep. is a crucial, crucial. Well, thing. and I think even now, like, their group chat that they have. Yeah, I love them. They all say chat. that, you know, they all like each other. They're all clicking. There hasn't been any issues. Yeah. So, like, I think that's a the, the pre-camp start. And I think, honestly, and, you know, like, I know people are going to listen to this, and I hope they, they don't take it the wrong way, but... I think nipping it in the butt right away as, as far as, you know, like a warning system. You know, hey, listen, I heard this is going on. If it happens again, you're out of here. You know, and, and like, what, what do you feel about that? Because, like, I'm a, I'm a big tough love guy. You know, I've always been coached that way. You know, yeah. you fuck up on drills, your, your ass is headed to the goal line. And I don't think that that resonates with players these days. No. Well, I think tough love is okay as long as the emphasis is on the love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Jesus, this guy in fucking quotes, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, now you, you know why they get along? Yeah, you just, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know when we're talking about replacing the signage? Yeah. Like, yeah, we should research some. You should just start writing. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah. just start talking. Um, I appreciate that, man. I, I, I mean, I've had so many people who have supported me on my journey, and, like, I feel like I there are certain people along the way who have, really shaped my perspective the way that it is now and I just I have a ton of smart people in my corner man. Um, and well you're what we've been needing because yeah. this is what I've been wanting he always tells me like oh you baby the kids and this and that and I'm like well but they're here and they're away from home and like someone's got to take care of them and he's like oh you're too easy on them but, but again that's like so we that's, need someone this is what I've been wanting to do yeah. I just don't have like the tools but it's, it's both. perfect it's both because they need they need they need a coach who's going to hold them accountable, right? Yeah. And they need someone who's going to love on them. Yeah. And I just, I don't know how to do both. They're and they're away from home. Yeah. I really but, don't know how to do but both. But see, maybe it's not your job to do both. Right. Okay. Well, then, valid. So let me do what I'm doing. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't mean that all you have to do is ride them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The love, the love part of the tough love for me is respect. It's respecting them as a human being. It's yeah. understanding that everyone has a story. That sometimes you have a bad day. Sometimes you have a bad day. Yeah. You never know what they're right. Right. Stuff like 
they're away from home. They might be homesick. They might be upset. They might have lost something. They're having their girl family. problems. Yeah. Oh, their, girl problems. Their dog <laughs> died. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. It's any oh, number yeah. of things as a teenager. I mean, yeah. your hormones are so out of whack at that point that, like, any little thing can just be meltdown, end of totally. the world. Biggest right. thing that's ever happened. Because sometimes it's the first time that they've ever experienced that thing. Yeah. So it is the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. Right, and so right. the love part is respect mixed with accountability. It's like, okay, this thing is going on in your life. I am here for you. And we still have to go play hockey. Yeah. yeah. We still have to go try and execute. We still have to go try and be excellent in whatever our role is. And so you support them and you hold them accountable and you get them to hold each other accountable. Because I think the best coaches create a culture where they have less responsibility. Where they're not Mm -hmm. always having to be the one who is the disciplinarian or the the accountability police. It's Mm -hmm. like you create a culture with your captains and with your veterans where the players are like, like at some point you create that culture, right? You're talking about training camp. Throughout a season, you want the players to be like, "Hey, man, that's not how we do things here." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Exactly. That, that's like my dream. That doesn't you know? fly. Yeah. Like right. that—that's yeah. not part of Spartan hockey. Yes. We don't do that. Yes. Yeah. Here's what we do. Well, I think we do have that. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I really do. Yeah. No, I, I'll take back my statement. You guys aren't starting. From, you're not starting from scratch. Yeah. Because in my conversation with the two of you the other day, and yeah. in my conversations with with you, Marco, you're already on. You're you're part of this movement already. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm just stoked to be able to, like, help and focus it down and, yeah. and bring, you know, just like anyone else, like, I have my role and I have what I bring to the table. Um, I think another, uh, uh, an important piece for them is helping them understand what they bring and celebrating because yeah. we're really quick to pick out what athletes are doing wrong as yeah. coaches, yeah. Um, right? And we do it in the spirit of correction and improvement and skill building. And it's really important what to point out mm-hmm. uh, what they're doing right. Well, and I Catch will them say... being good as my mentor, John McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, we're really excited for someone like Sebastian, right? Like... He's not, like, the flashiest player. He's not going to put up the most points in a season. But, like, what kid nowadays wants to be a stay-at-home defenseman? Yeah. Sebastian does. Yeah. So, great. We have a spot for that. We need that. Right. So, like, we're we're all about finding these roles. And I think when when you're talking about the tough love and respect thing, what came to my mind was we – I picked up a player, and he was from another country. He barely spoke English. They called him into the office after practice and handed him a plane ticket and said, you're going there. You know, that to me is the most disrespectful thing you can possibly do. So, like, like in saying, you know, the tough log, if I do have to nip it in the butt and say, hey, it's not working out here, is to have a fucking conversation. Yeah. yeah. You know, Talk to him. come in, say, hey, listen, we made a decision. You know, this is where you, you've been traded or released or wherever, yeah. and, and just lay it out there. You know? But I think those expectations have to be on the table ahead of time so they know them. Like, yeah. you can't just, like... He doesn't, he, he'll still tell you, I don't know why I was traded here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, because yeah. he didn't speak English. Well, right. yeah, but so it's like, if they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, that's the first step oh, of it, I see right? What you're saying. You know what I mean? But, but so they need have... to be accountable to something that they know that they're accountable to. Yeah. And then yeah. you can have that conversation of, 
well. Yeah, we, we laid it out for you. Knew the yeah. expectations, and here's the... Yeah. But, yeah. but like I said to begin with, like like a warning system. Of yeah. Like, hey, listen, we're not about this. You know, yeah. If it happens again, right. this is going to happen. So, yeah, no, that's that's excellent. Yeah. yeah excellent. Um, I would say, to, to answer your, your, your question about how in terms of culture building, yeah. I think you also bring in your your captains and your veterans and you have a conversation with them about what they want their culture to be like mm-hmm. what they want to feel like when they walk in the building it. yeah that's so good so you bring you bring them in and you give them equity in the program mm-hmm. and um, that way they have they they are invested in it so yeah. when the conversation comes up inevitably about that's not what we do here it's coming it's not coming from them because they're your mouthpiece it's coming from them because they decided that that's what's important to them yeah so i i know we're you know we we could sit here and talk all day but i want to get to your question about gratitude because gratitude to me is one of the most fundamental things you can do to 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 teach an athlete to help change their experience, to help make their experience more positive. It encompasses the stuff that we've been talking about. It encompasses the love of the game. It encompasses the opportunity Mm -hmm. to grow. It encompasses um, learning from being challenged. And it's a, it's something that we can practice. And one of the things I like about it is that it's it's a concrete thing. We can we can say, like for example, one of the things that uh, is really great for an athlete to do is to keep a gratitude journal. Every day, you write down a few things that you're grateful for. You can do it at the beginning of the day. You can do it at the end of the day. You can do it in the middle of the day. You can expound on it and write about it and and kind of like flush it out and talk about why. Or you can just say, I'm grateful today for this, this, and this. Um, there is incredible research being done on gratitude in sport um, that shows that it directly leads to a more positive, more open-minded, more growth-oriented sport experience. Mm-hmm. And Walking into a locker room and being like, practice was really hard. I'm really grateful that I didn't have to go through that alone. Yeah. For example. Right, right. Man, coach is tough on me, but, and sometimes this is retroactive, right? Like, wow, that coach was really tough on me, but I'm really grateful that I had that experience because here's what I learned. The thing that you learn could even be, I never want to have a coach like that again. Yeah, sure. That yeah. Doesn't work for me. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. But that in itself is a growth moment because sure. you're learning something about yourself. Right. Um, and gratitude, I mean, just think about how you feel when you're grateful. It like, it just brings you, it brings you into your heart. And then you're like, wow, here I am, like surrounded by people who have this common goal and this common mission. And we're, we're just like, right, we talk about heart in sport a lot, like playing with heart. Right. I mean, you look at that player who just, works hard and they they're diving for stuff and they're they're just giving Andrew everything Rothman. they have yep. like yeah. Andrew yeah. up to yep. a team yeah you recruit players 
because because right, a number one recruiting thing that the number one intangible that that coaches look for, I think, is heart. Oh yeah, they want someone yeah. to play with heart. So that can mean effort, but that can also mean like the place from where you operate. Mm-hmm. Andrew Rothmeyer, yeah, hundred percent. Like, like yeah. on, on the ice, I mean, he goes through a fucking brick wall every yeah. single goddamn shift, he's and he's the first one that comes in here and says thank you. First yeah. one that says I'm sorry, coach, I fucked up, like. The first guy, and I remember late in the in the year, and I hope he doesn't mind me um, sharing the story, that he uh, he was just so frustrated, and he flipped a puck out of the arena, got in trouble, got kicked out, and before I even made it back here, he was standing. He at was the waiting. Door. In the, at the, yeah, 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 and he's just and he came in here and he sat down, and I remember he just wanted to say like, sorry, and I was like, no, come in here and sit down, let's have a fucking conversation, and he goes, I'm so sorry, you know, and I'm like, Andy, me and you couldn't be more of the same fucking. We just care, and we just sometimes that caring, and you caring so much and not seeing the result yeah. is just to the core yeah. frustrating. You know, like I care about this program. You know, I, I care about our fans and our players, and everything's here, but we just didn't have enough to get us over the hump to to have those nice. You know, champagne bottles popping at the end of the year. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but like we put so much into it. Like I was like, dude, I get it. You know, like I understand. I'm not mad at you at all. So I hope it doesn't spark an cider by bottles popping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the our first weekend, we swept uh, our first weekend, nice. which was like, holy shit. Right. You know, like all this fucking work and all this yeah. stress and like. The building was just going nuts, and we swept, and we came back in here, and it was Sarah. Yeah, uh, Sarah she was came here for the weekend, and, and she had a bottle of champagne nice. in here. Were you in here? You know, I think I don't, I don't know if I made, made it that one. I was here the first weekend, but I don't know if I, if I yeah, made it for the yeah. champagne too. It was all, our family was here. I mean, it was just the best moment ever. You know what I mean? And and those moments are why we play sports. Yeah. And the the reality is, you could play the way that you played. You could have gotten swept. Yeah. Yeah. You can play great and still lose. Yeah, yeah. those bounces happen. Yeah. You, yeah there's a lot of luck involved yeah. in, in winning. Like yeah. things have to break your way. A lot of things have to break mm-hmm. your way. So gratitude is something that helps athletes derive meaning and value from things other than winning. Yeah. Right. Which is the biggest unknown in sport, winning. Because you can you can play the game of your life, you can swim the race of your life, you can run the race of your life, and lose. Yeah, it happens all the yeah. time. You look back through the history of sport, and you have lots of teams that would be legendarily all-time great who had the misfortune of being around during a time when there was an even more legendary team. Yeah, yeah. Dude, think about how frustrating it would be to play in the NBA during the 90s. Right. And, and no. no matter what you do, you have to yeah. go through Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing you can do. And there's, yeah. nothing, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. Again, a little bit before my time. <laughs> right. <laughs> you but, watch the hockey game you saw it. Right. Or to play in the NFL and have to go through the New England Patriots yeah. in, the, in the 2000s. Yeah. yeah. Or to, to be in the NBA the last six years and have to go through the Golden State Warriors. It's like, you have these all-time great programs that are incredible, and for, we forget about everyone else who's mm-hmm. also playing at their best and doing their best and not winning it all. 
So there have to be other things Tuka. that we derive meaning from yeah. and other reasons to play and other things that keep us coming back over and over again other than winning because mm -hmm. winning is just the cherry on top. It's not the process. Right. It's not why we do it. And I, I had a speech. Um, I think I told you about this, um, but like, uh, and I've told on the podcast before, but like we were coming into our, our last home weekend and it was like, listen guys, no matter if you go to college next year, no matter if you move up to the North American League next year, whether you sign a pro contract next year, which, like, it's not out of the question, but, like, you know, it, it is what it is, right? The chance of you playing in front of this fucking building or this amount of people in this atmosphere is so fucking low. Like, you know, it's... when A win's a win and a loss is a loss. Just fucking soak it up. Yep. You know what I mean? And I think some players resonate with it and others are just so, like, I just want to win. I just want to yeah. win. And it's just, like... It's hard to change that mentality because I tell the kids all the time, like, hey, the sun's going to come up tomorrow. And, you know, they put so much pressure. And you know what? They put so much pressure on themselves, and I think it's coming from different areas from my experience. Yeah, it comes – their external expectations are, are a huge part of sport. Well, I, I think that the parents, yeah, to, of course. to be honest. No, yeah. like, like, youth sport, parents are parents, – parents are, are the most potentially positive influence and the most potentially negative. Right. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, talking about gratitude, one of the ways to get players out of that winning is everything mindset is just to model it. So we model gratitude. Right. We tell them that we are grateful for their effort. We're grateful that they yeah. that they keep showing up. Like we're that. grateful for we're grateful for the fans showing up right. and, yeah. and rocking the house. Yeah, and right. we're right, like yeah. We just, as as coaches, we just have to model that behavior. That's it's. I mean, that's part of part of the developmental process. That's how kids learn. Is they see people in positions of authority or yeah. positions, you know, older athletes, right? That's what mm -hmm. you get. Your captains are modeling for the younger players. Yeah. Coaches are modeling for the whole team. We are modeling for the community, right? It, all that. All that. All the stuff that athletes see from us makes it into their subconscious. Mm -hmm. right. And so if we model gratitude, we create a culture of gratitude. If we model accountability, we help create a culture of accountability. If we model joy, we create a culture of joy. If we're total assholes, <laughs> we create a culture yeah. of misery. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, how could you even make it through a season? Yeah. Like oh, like acting grinding, like yeah. like this is a business and you know you know you could be traded any day like how do you make it through? Yeah, because like, well, yeah. you find these kids that they they just care about winning. Yeah, so yeah. that's why. But I like when we were in the the locker room the other day and you were like that quote in particular I don't like because it's all framed in the negative. Yeah, they yeah. use words like losing. Well, do you remember? And, I'm trying to think what it was. Do you remember what? No, uh, but but it, but it was all it was all about like. Failure and losing. It was like complacent, lazy. Yeah, lazy. Yeah, if you're lazy, you're a loser. Yeah, complacency, laziness, and being a loser. And I was like, yeah. And you can say the exact same thing, but that's motivational. And yeah, so it's all about these different outlooks. Yeah, and the language that we use is really important. And in sports psychology, one of the things we talk about is self-talk. How do we talk to ourselves? Yeah. That's an example of, like, I could say, I could, you know, use, I could apply that quote to myself, and 
it has a really negative connotation. Or right. I could just flip it, change the language. It's saying the same thing yeah. in a different way. But all of a sudden, it give, it it opens up an opportunity or a challenge mm -hmm. for me to do something different, to improve something, rather than just berating me for being yeah. a loser. Yeah. Well, I think I... Oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, no, go ahead. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I am like the worst talker to myself. Like, the worst. Like, even playing my little saucer game, I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I'm the worst Tetris player ever. Yeah. Like, like, like if you have your if you have your head down, you're not going to know where the fucking target is. Like, come on, like, figure it out. Right. And it's yeah. just like, yeah, no, I, you know, we, we get it. We always find ourselves in, well, I, I guess I am only can only really speak for myself, although I've observed this in a lot of other people. We end up in situations where that stuff in us is challenged and we have an opportunity to teach a different way to other people. Right. Yeah. Right. So. And I know, it, you, I mean, it's now hard. Now you get a chance to change it in yourself and yeah. to model gonna, something else for your yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Like, we just need to be mindful about, I mean, it's hard. Everyone's got this negative self-talk. Self and so it's like, you just have to be mindful to be kind to yourself, to be kind to everyone else. Right. So that's what we're going for here. And I just, I don't know, like being in sports like this way for me as a woman is a little hard because it's like, you want to be aggressive. And I'm like, no, 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 like, let's be nicer to each other. And then I'm like, wait, am I like bringing this like weird downer energy into the room where I'm like, be nice. You know what I mean? But I think it's really important. It's incredible. And, and, yeah. and, and actually, I would argue that having that in men's sports is really important. Um, it's something that we're seeing, right? You have slowly you have female assistant coaches on. Yeah. Yeah. There's right. a couple yeah. in the NFL, there's a couple in the NBA. Um, that that female sensibility that somehow is more a little more geared towards kindness is so, so important. And actually, we were talking about self-compassion. You basically just, in that one sentence, named the three components of self-compassion, which are mindfulness, yeah. kindness, yep. self-kindness, <laughs> and common humanity. Yeah. The idea that we're all in it together. And yeah. so for me that that's sort of it's a cultural thing, right? And and that's another conversation, but men are not taught that. No. Boys are not taught that. We're not taught right. to be vulnerable or self compassionate or to uh, to practice kindness, right? We're taught to practice toughness yeah. and yeah. stoicness yeah. and aggression yeah and so with that our, is needed with our community stuff i think that that um i think i just kind of wrote that side off on like go and do good things for the community right. and that's going to like kind of soften you up you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. but, but i think it is a good example of you know when we do go out and do these things for the community it's more of a what am I trying to say here? It's more of that that sensitive side of yeah. of being a human being. Like you yeah. don't have to be a fucking tough guy when you show up to the rink, and then be a tough guy in the community too. So I think yeah. that that's a step that we're making. But yeah. now we're kind of putting two and two together. Of you know, we need that other side of right. of human development, and that's a good outlet that we already. Well, use. and it just it just kind of bothers me. Like the the whole the way everything went down at the showcase when it was just like it was like coaches and GMs and like secret meetings and little whisperings and you know that kind of thing I was just kind of like 
this is all just so fucked up. Like, yeah. this is just so, like, mean for no reason. And I was like, am I being, like, too sensitive to all this? I know, or, like, I, I almost what's feel, the issue? I almost feel, like, too sensitive being, like, yeah, I'm not trading anyone. And, like, I should be, you know, you know, Mr. Tough Guy or whatever. But it's just, yeah. like. But man. how many times have we said to a coach, like, no, we don't want to do that because that's, like, detrimental to them as, like, a human. They're like, fuck it. Yeah. Wow. Fucking trade them. Yeah. You know, oh. and, and we're kind of just, like. Ooh, are yeah, we, are I, we being babies here? I filled up my roster, and, and I tell coaches, like, obviously I'm new to this, right? So I reach out to coaches that I really respect, and, and I'm like, hey, what do I do? Like, yeah. Do I keep going? Like, this is weird. I'm right? at the max yeah. right now. Right. And, but you can protect a couple more until a certain date, so basically you'll have to release someone. And they go, yeah, go go up to 30, and then turn around and sell them. Like, dude. What? Yeah. Like, that is the most inhumane thing you can say about a <laughs> yeah. person. It's and I, about a person. And see, someday someone's going to call you because you're that, that veteran coach that they yeah. respect, and you're going to tell them to do something different, and that's how the culture of sport yeah, changes. Right. Yeah, right. That whole showcase thing, that that's happening at every level of sport. That's happening in AAU basketball. That's happening in AAU volleyball. That's soccer. Soccer showcase like soccer, youth soccer is all about showcases. Yeah, they go. They, these kids travel and they go play a weekend and they play six games. Yeah, and it's all about showing off an individual players to get scholarships. And you're right, you're monetizing everything. Yeah, and I just think it's so important to take a different and you're and you're sort of tacking against the wind there. Oh yeah, by yeah. doing something different, We're like the only. But it's really, <laughs> yeah. but it's really important. And you are you're gonna become a model organization yeah. for people who get it. Yeah, yeah. I hope so because right now I like really have a complex about. I mean, there's not a lot of women. We, there was another uh, um, owner, yeah. the Ogden owner. She was a female, and she she's awesome. out of the league now. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. It's just it's a weird complex for me to like get into this and then think, well, am I being too sensitive? Is that like, yeah, the woman well, part me of me? So yeah. it's just. I need to work on that for myself. And and understand that there needs to be more sensitivity in sports. Just to let you know, Spartan Nation, where you can get in touch with Aaron. He'll be back on many future episodes of Inside the Madhouse. But let us know the links, man. Okay, so uh, it's very simple. I am on Instagram. It is at playfreeperformance. And my on the web, you can find me. You can find my blog. You can get in touch with me if you have questions about my work or someone in your family or you are an athlete who is interested in doing mental performance development work you can find me at playfreesport.com and i look forward to uh, i look forward to hearing from people i'm i'm just so i just want to speaking of gratitude i just want to express my gratitude to the three of you for having me on here and you know giving me a chance to be a part of this organization, this model youth hockey organization <laughs> moving forward. I think um, I'm really impressed with the way that you all are doing things, and I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. So thank you, Matt. Thank, much. thank you. That that's all. Awesome. Th- so this much, is man. this episode is going to be a bang. This is a banger, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you very much to my good friend Aaron Goldman of Play Free Performance. Thanks for coming on today, the newest member of the Spartan staff. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week right here inside the Madhouse. Till then, keep in touch. We're online at sospartans.com, at facebook.com, slash southernoregonspartans, on Instagram, at sospartans, and on Twitter, at so underscore spartans. 
Have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Stay beautiful, Spider Nation. Spartans! What is your profession? Thanks for hanging inside the madhouse. Remember, subscribe and share so you always catch all the action. Keep your sticks on the ice, and we'll see you next week inside the madhouse. Get out of the ship.